I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition, and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. You know what that acronym stands for, and if you don't, get creative. Think about it. Today, I have with me a veteran in the business industry of over 40 years, a serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. I have Mr. Terry. Give me your last name. Bag, bag just like the first three letters. Ba- bag, man. Bag, correct. Yep. I know it doesn't look like that in the French pronunciation is big you or big a, I guess, but somehow it got chopped down to just beg. <laughs> okay. So, so obviously definitely, definitely European. We're going French. Yes. Okay. Yep. So- it, it is a French name, but like I said, everybody around here where I'm from is I have a big family, a bunch of big Catholic families around here and everybody goes by beg. So keep it hey, simple. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yep. All right. So tell our audience a little bit more about you, about your business and what you do. Okay. Thanks so much too, for having me on the show, Be Ambition. I, uh, this is so exciting for me to, to tell my story. Sometimes I started up my painting business right out of high school. And um, the reason I did that is I, I knew college wasn't for me. I tried, I went to college. It was the worst four weeks of my life. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) but, uh, but I decided, you know, the only way, if you don't have a college degree, it's going to be hard to make a good living. I wanted to make more than average. I wanted to live a good life and provide for my family. Mm. And the only other way I could see doing that was starting owning a, a business. And the only thing I did through high school, the only trade I was familiar with was painting. My older brother was a painting contractor and I helped him. So I just went in with no experience, no no skills really, no connections, no money. And I started a painting business and uh, really suffered. It was tough, very tough for eight years. Started when I was 18 and uh, got married when I was 21. Promised my wife things will be better when, when I get better. And I thought I became a pretty good painter, but nothing changed. And then I said, mm-hmm. man, I'm sorry, honey. I said, I just got to get more connections, no more people, work harder. Did all those things and still nothing changed. And finally, one day she said to me something that changed everything. I mean, I can, I can, I can pinpoint where my life changed down to the very second. And what it was when I came home one day from work, tired, smelling like kerosene and, and, uh, and oil paint. Right. And she said three, three words to me that changed my life. And they weren't, I love you. They were Terry, I'm pregnant. And that was it. When she said that it's like a, a switch had flipped in my brain. All of a sudden this crappy life that I've been living is no longer going to be good enough. I wasn't going to pull my son through that. We knew we were going to have a boy. And I changed everything I was doing. I took my business seriously. I I, um, mm. I I did so many things. I had to put it all into this book because I couldn't just, I could give you a couple ideas. But the point I wanted to make is before my son was born, within eight months of finding that out, I doubled my income. And over the next year, I doubled it again. Just And I had this, I knew these things. I had the ideas that changed everything for me, but it took that motivation. It took that knowing I've got a family on the way for me to figure it all out that quickly. I probably to this day, I'd still be dirt poor if I hadn't um, looked for what I needed to do. And it, and it took me quite a while, but once I figured it out, life started being good. The second half of my life has been awesome. Wow. So why that story is so crazy powerful to me is um you said something that was very key to me and that was you started taking your business seriously, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of Mm -hmm. us are starting businesses. A lot of our listeners may be starting businesses and they don't understand when they've got a business versus when they've got a side hustle. A Uh business is something you take serious, right? Like 
you you live exactly. it you eat it you breathe yeah. it yeah. and um one other thing i thought was very interesting about what you said uh is that conundrum and i bet you every father listening knows that exact conundrum that you're talking about um i experienced the same thing while i was in the military when my son was born uh in 2014 mm-hmm. i was 23 years old and i'm sitting here like no nah, this military stuff isn't going to work out i don't got enough time for my son not doing it oh my god yeah and it it was just knowing that accepting that understanding that right but wow yes yeah from that moment it was pretty much the same i started taking life seriously and you are actually spot on with that man i i think i doubled my income by 2018 and then increased it by 25 percent the following year and then doubled it wow (laughs) And we're talking six figures double, right? So, oh my God. Yeah. So you were a hundred percent spot on taking your business seriously. And, you you know, if you have that family, if you have people behind you, yeah, that makes you take Mm -hmm. it seriously sometimes. But um, why do you think that it takes that for some of us to actually take our business seriously? I I don't, I'm not sure. I guess you got to just understand that nobody's going to give it to you. At least that's how it was for me. Nobody was going to help me. It doesn't matter how bad things were. I mean, when we got married, I, I, within four months, I was so broke. I was rolling loose change at Christmas just to buy my wife a gift. I mean, it was pitiful. And I used to be embarrassed to tell that story, but now I tell it to, so people know that there, there is a way you can turn around. And I guess what both of us really are saying is success isn't so much what I say in my book, a skill set, but it's more a mindset. Wouldn't you agree with that? Once you I, make up your mind. I definitely agree. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons that, you know, I'm not as successful as I want to be, right? I, I'll, I'll consciously say that. And there are people who know me that would say, you're goddamn crazy for saying you're not as <laughs> successful as you want to be. But um, part of the reason is that there's so many things that I can do, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's the curse of being talented. So many people are just so talented. They start something, they're good at it. They're like, this could go off and make me, you know, a ton of money. But, you know, this could also go off and work really well. And I really like to do this, but I also like to do that. And they have so many options that they never just start eating. Yeah. Right. Shiny, shiny object syndrome. Right. Where you just keep jumping after different things instead of focusing on what will get you there. Right. Right. And I've recently just started getting very focused, very pinpointed. Like you were saying, you you were able to double that way because you were focused on one thing. Um, (laughs) So it's the same thing. Right. You got to find something to do every day in one area. Exactly. It's it's so important. And, and realize that if you're getting, it doesn't seem right, but we're all being judged all the time, every day. And I talk a lot in my book, the very first chapter is about developing your personal brand, mm. you know, because, you know, who you are and what you're about, because people, they'll, they'll hire, see, for me, trust is a big deal because I paint in people's homes a lot of times. I'm an outside painter mostly, but there are times when they leave me the keys to their house and I don't even know them. And that trust is so important. But positioning yourself as a person of, um, of, um, integrity. Just in, in, yeah, in, impeccable integrity. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you do what you say you're going to do and it all comes down to making yourself likable and believable. And that's people are judging you. They're looking at what, what you say, if you do what you say you're going to do. And even in terms of calling them back when you said and showing up just little things that people in my industry don't do a lot of, 
And mm. it's so, so important that personal brand that you're, you're the real you and people can see that. Man, I'm so glad that you said that. And that fits so well within the theme of our podcast, right? We've had so many episodes where we've said authenticity, authenticity, authenticity. And mm-hmm. a lot of what you're saying right now about personal branding has that flair of authenticity, but you know, it's also, what do you want to be known for? That's what I hear you saying, right? Do you want to be known as somebody who can't be trusted with keys to a house? Or do you want to be known as somebody who, you know, I would trust with my wife and kids over a weekend, right? And trust, exactly. you, right? And man, you're, you're really cooking, man, it's eight minutes in. Do we need to do the whole podcast? <laughs> But, but that, that's just the opening of my book. And I thought when I was writing it, I talked about four abilities in there that, mm. that helped me turn things around. But then I thought, wait a minute, before getting into these four abilities, first thing we need to talk about is developing your personal brand. And, mm. and, and I try to offer ways of doing that, you know, role models help some and just um, getting clear on what's important to you, you know, what, what are the, the family values that you grew up with and, and how can you communicate that so your customers see that that's what you're about and what you stand for. And there's a lot, I talk a lot about that in the book before I ever get into the, what some people look at as the important stuff, but you, as you said, integrity is everything. Um, a guy, Stephen Covey, you know, who wrote seven, eight, yes. hab- seven habits of highly successful people. We has a son named Stephen Covey as well. And he wrote a book called the speed of trust. And mm. oh my gosh, is that a great book? If you ever get a chance to read it, but he talks about how, when you're trusted, everything goes faster and better. And, and just life is so much more simple when you, when you position yourself as someone who can be trusted. So man, you're, mm. you're dropping so many nuggets and even mm. earlier, right? I, I wanted to point this out because the mark of a good speaker is how they can build up the point that they're making. Right. At least that's one of the things that I've noticed. Right. I've been speaking for 10 years and studying speech uh, oration for 10 years. And Mm -hmm. the way that you built up your first point when you were getting to, you know, taking your business seriously and the three words. Right. Mm -hmm. I I want you guys to go back and take a note from that when you listen to it and you re-listen. Notice that he said the three words he gave the build up. He kept talking about it, but the things that he were saying, he was saying about the three words, he didn't stretch it out. He didn't bore you. He didn't lose you in that. Um, and then he gave you the three words and they were just as impactful as you intended them to be. So I really just want to commend you on that and call that out as well. Thank you. Yeah, you know, someone uh, defined that for me once when I told that story of someone who was helping me write my uh, first book. And the way she said it, the way she uh, defined that, she says, what happened to you is the idea that, and I wrote it down, it was so important. It said, life, life will take you, life will open its doors to you, but not until it sees that you're serious. Mm. And it, it, it's so simple, but when you think about it, um, the things that you want in life, they'll start to happen and things will start to come your way. But first, you got to make the first move. You got to show it that you're in, you're into this for the long run. You're there to help people. And I think when, when you when when everybody sees that, it just becomes a common framework of who you are. Things that does start to open doors. And, and it did for me because I had my business for eight years and just nothing. I mean, I, t- I was fighting it out in low price wars and, you know, the lousiest jobs that no one else wanted, but everything turned around as soon as I decided, Hey, this needs, I need to fix this. What am I going to do first? And I just went from one after another and I started knocking things out, man. That's another beautiful thing that you said. Um, 
sticking it out for eight years and nothing happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And nowadays I, I'm a part of the generation. I'm going to try this for two weeks. And if it doesn't work, you guys aren't interested in two weeks. Screw it. Right. <laughs> like that's what we do. But you're saying you had to build this business for eight years. Right. And you had to work on be- being a great painter. But how long, how, how long did you say that it took you to master the skill of painting houses? Um, versus I, I how was, long it took you to master the business of painting houses. The, the, the skill of it really didn't take that long because I had been doing it. And I, I, one of the reasons I went into paintings, is it's an easy trade to learn, mm. you know, a bucket and a brush and you can be in business. Right. Um, but to really get good at it took me probably till I was 23 or 24. And that's what shocked me, even though I became a pretty good painter, mm-hmm. nothing really changed in my life. And I didn't get better jobs. And it was all about becoming a better person. And that, that's what made the difference. So wow. it, throughout my book, I say over and over, um, people don't care as much about how good you are, at what you do as they care about how good you are at who you are. They, they want to work with somebody that has integrity, even if they do a great job, that's still, it's not always enough if, because, um, you it's easy it's it's in the customer's eyes we all look pretty much the same you know most of them can't see a an average paint job from an excellent one you know so how do you set yourself apart and that's where i was at i thought my gosh even though i think i'm a pretty good painter nobody can tell the difference between me and the guy up the street who's only doing one coat and not two coats so what i had to change was my interpersonal skills Mm. and that's how i that's how i set myself apart from doing that you know looking at ways to be different and be better than everyone else in the customer's eyes. Wow. That why that was so big to me and so impactful for me. And I'll guarantee you impactful for our audience. And anyone who has taken my services or participated with my business, the, one of the quotes that I repeat: business is the best personal development tool. Um, because until you get over some of those things that have been ailing you, right, with your personal mm-hmm. life, whether it's trauma, right? Um, I, it doesn't matter what it is, your business won't be successful. If you are, you're mad at men because your father wasn't around, well, congratulations. Those men, male customers that you attract will be toxic, uh, full of trauma. They'll, they'll pull that out of you because you haven't learned how to heal that in yourself, right? If you have a problem with women, you're, you're going to manifest that in your business. And that's why I... I definitely agree with you. It's all about being a good person. It's about making sure that you understand things about the nature of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. How many business owners do you know that get mad when they don't get a, um, someone books a call and they miss it? Oh right? my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's uh, yep. I was actually um, got interviewed by uh, my coach, right? So my business coach interviewed me yesterday uh, with his uh, group. And that was one of the things that I mentioned, right? Until I stopped getting upset at the things that the customer was doing, feeling like the customer snubbed me when they were just living their goddamn lives, right? Like mm-hmm. they got things going on, right? They right. got a life just yeah. like I have a life. They're just living their lives. They're not snubbing me. Until I stopped feeling like that, I could not book five clients at $3,000 a client. Like wow. I just couldn't do it. Um, but as soon as I realized like you got your life going on, don't worry about it you know what? Uh, I'm just going to follow up with you tomorrow. I'll follow up with you next week, but I'm going to keep following up with you because you shared something that you believe in. And I want to believe in that with you. Right. Hmm. Um, 
So it's really, that is really important. So I definitely wanted to hammer that point in with you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. You know, you look back at things that are causing you to, to stumble, you know, different types of people who have, who have come up in your life that, that remind you of something in the past. I, I, that, that's really interesting what you said. I'm learning as much as I'm giving today. Oh man, I'm from glad you. to hear that. Glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. a, as you, as you started to get better with the business, as things started to get better, did everything just get better or were there some, you know, were there further obstacles with the business? What were some of the challenges as you started to become successful? Uh, probably one of my bigger challenges was I had so much work. I couldn't do it all. Everybody was hiring me. So I had to hire people. And that was new to me because I wasn't, I was never like in Toastmasters and, and learned any leaders, leadership skills, mm. things like that. But um, it, I had to, I just had to get comfortable with talking to the, to, to my guys every day. You know, we had to have a new plan or our jobs we were in and out really quick. So there was a new house to start every day or two because I had a certain process and a system for doing the work. But, but I found leading those guys and becoming, again, it was about becoming a person of integrity. They had to see that you really walk your talk, you know, before they're going to follow you. And that was a big obstacle for me. But the, the key thing was getting that pipeline and keeping it full of business, full of jobs, because then you're not dependent on every little job and afraid you're going to go too high. But un until I could really control a crew and get them to work every day and turn out quality work and, and be engaged with the job and with the customer till I could teach them that it was really hard for me to grow to, to that next level. Wow, man, a lot of gems being dropped here. And I'm, I'm saying a lot of gems being dropped, which is not a phrase that I like to use, right? <laughs> I don't like to say that because it, it's so common. But when you talk about leadership and just leveraging the work of others, man, I've told people there's three abilities that you need to be successful in business. You need visibility, which is your marketing. You need some sort of sales ability. You got to sell it. And then mm -hmm. once you sell it, you have to deliver it. And what you just talked about is, you know, you basically took us through the journey of that. It took you eight years to figure out visibility and sales ability. And when you figured those out, then you had to improve your deliverability. And yeah. that meant going to build a team. So, yeah. Yeah. um, how successful do you think you would have been without a team? Oh my gosh. I mean, once I had a team, I do in one day, what I used to do in a week by myself, um, a, not even a fraction. That's where the, the first time I doubled my income, it was mostly because I positioned myself as a professional and people started paying me more. But the second doubling, that was the big one. And that happened because I got three or four guys to work with me. I, I still led by example. I was there with them, but it, it, until I could leverage my time, just like what you said earlier, you got to leverage your time with your employees because there just isn't enough hours in the day right. to, um, to create an income that'll support you if, if you have big goals and big plans. Mm. So and, one of the things that you said that I just thought was so prolific was not just leveraging your time, but there's a hidden nugget in there. Because when you go to get employees, aren't you getting you, the boss, right? The person with the company, isn't the company, aren't, isn't your takeaway pay less than it would normally be? When I have other people, you mean doing the work? Yeah, for, for a single job. So if I... Oh, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So you would get less than you would normally get. Mm -hmm. But this idea, and I, I, this is what I want people to recognize because there's so many people that go, 
oh, well, you know, this is the cost of the product and you have to charge this and I have to make this for this product. And I go, mm-hmm. wait, wait, hold on. There's a strategy in understanding that you're going to walk away with less money, right? What people mm-hmm. often say is the number that they'd like to walk away with, right? And it's usually mm-hmm. a high number because they don't want to go get a lot of clients, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if the it, in your case, you're saying you took a price cut, right? You took a personal mm-hmm. cut as yeah. the business owner, as the person setting up everything, the person doing the most work. And because you took that cut and you were able to bend time, so to speak, by going out and getting those people to work for you, you were able to double your mm-hmm. income. Yes, because we started doing, I remember when I first started it, I thought I had enough work for the, my crew. The first week we were all together, nice spring day. So, okay, guys, this is where we're going to be today. And and I was thinking the only other thing I had on the books was a, a half a day job after that house, thinking, okay, we're good for the week. By the end of that first day, by the end of Monday, that house was almost done because I had that crew, even though they didn't really know what they were doing that much. It was just having those people there and and doing the masking and covering on the house so one guy could spray. By Tuesday afternoon, I was out of work, so I had to go out and chase down more jobs and move everything up. My point is I went from doing one and a half, one and a half jobs a week to, to where I started doing on a rain-free week. We do like five houses. And I made less on each house, but five houses, I mean, it was huge. The, the difference that, you know, I took in five times more money, but yeah. probably only gave up maybe, I don't know, half, something like that. My, my, um, I was still at, at working at about a 40% margin, even though we were doing five times more work, if, nice. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's so beautiful. And the reason it's beautiful is, um, you know, I, I have an online course academy and I have an affiliate marketing program. And mm-hmm. like I mentioned, we launched this product that's, you know, expensive. It's definitely worth the value, but I'm breaking out the affiliate marketing program and someone who knows me, who knows about my business, they're talking to me because, you know, we have, you know, an entrepreneur friend of mine that I talk to about business. He goes, well, why are you giving away half of your stuff to somebody who's just selling the course for you? I was like, because number one, I wouldn't have the client if they didn't sell it. Uh, and then number two, it doesn't matter because they're going to help me fill up that course faster than I otherwise would be able to. Right. So as a business owner, do not be short sighted. Do not be short sighted. Think about the long term. That's all we've heard from Terry uh, Bay today. We've heard him thinking about the long term in terms of how long it took you just to get successful with your business. And then the long term, again, when it's when you go, I'm going to build a team and I'm going to take less. But if I take less, this team is going to help me reach unbelievable heights. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's important. Very yeah, beautiful. Like, very beautiful. Go ahead. Just like in, just like anything, you got to pay your dues at first a little bit, you know, but I was I was still making a living. So that was fine because, uh, you know, I wasn't doing that great before that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was an easy thing for me to do, just getting the right guys and uh, and keeping them busy every day, even though and it took time for them to figure things out. But it, we're, as I mentioned, we, we got so much done so much faster uh, just because I had four, four people with me that um, even our worst day was still better than my best day by myself. OK, because- so now now you have this completed business. You have a team. You're, you guys are delivering double right? Mm -hmm. 
and you you ran this business for 40 years at what point in the business did you actually build out your team at what point as far as um my employees that were doing the work was that year eight year nine um well those those first eight years i was by myself yeah and then at year nine is when i hired hired a crew. And, and when I say too, that I double my income in Ohio, we only have about eight months that we can work outside. It, 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 my, my system doesn't work inside because you just can't put enough paint on my, my system is we spray houses. So we do certain types of homes. Mm. And um, so I did it in eight months and, but I, I was able to get guys r- together right off. I knew a couple guys that were looking for work. They were friends of mine. You know, they say, don't ever hire your friends. Well, I was in, I had no choice, but it worked out. But the, you know, hey, don't, don't worry about it. We on this podcast, we say that's bullshit. Right. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Right. What's the point of having a friend? You swear to God that this guy is your best friend. They're going to be the groomsmen at your wedding. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they can't assist you in helping you feed your family. Right. But yeah. the people who do help you feed your family. I, I've always thought this was interesting. Right. I'm going to explain it in a with a totally different analogy for you guys. Often what we find is people go to work and they're very nice to the people at work. Even if they don't like them, they're nice (laughs) at work, right? Then you go home and you're mean with the people that you live with or you're mean to your friends, right? And you know why that is? Because you can afford to be mean to people who have no stake in your actual living. But if your friends and family had stake in your survival, you treat them better. I bet you you yeah. probably, and I, I could be wrong, you know, there may have been falling outs, but I bet you there was times where you paid a little bit more attention to how you treated those friends because of who they were to you. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it kind of deepened our relationship a little bit until the only problem is in this industry, as soon as a guy learns how to do all of his, all the little jobs and everything, they usually quit and become your competition. Well, and I lost a few guys that way, but that's just the nature of the beast. Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta account for ego, right? Yeah. Uh, and nobody yeah. wants to be the B guy. Everybody wants to be the guy in charge. Um, yeah. But if there's anybody listening, you got a great B opportunity. You can reach out. You can contract me. <laughs> right. Um, but that's something too. Right. Uh, let, let's talk about that a little. The idea of no one wanting to be the B guy. Everybody wants to be the guy in charge. But in order for you to be successful with your business, you basically made yourself the B guy in your business. Your business walked away with less money from each uh, job all of those things, you made the team more important, especially if you're saying uh, you walked away with 40%. It it sounded like, right? Yes. 60% was going to pay your team, right? And other expenses. So insurance, uh, paint, you know, the materials that we would need and the equipment and things like that. Mm. So, so that still wasn't bad. I mean, to make a 40% margin is pretty high, I think. No, definitely um, not. Yeah. But the idea is that we did a certain type of house where we could turn over jobs real quick. And it was, it was the types of siding that we could spray paint. So we would mask and spray, kind of treat it like a car to body shop. Only instead of sanding like they would for an automobile, we pressure wash the house and then come in and spray. So the idea was to have enough work that we could just stay on those, the types of jobs that pay the best. And that's when it worked out. If we get on an old wooden 
peeled up, you know, just a nasty house that needs a lot of TLC. Those are the kind that don't work out. You just can't get enough money to cover. They're just so labor intensive. Mm. So I had to learn the hard way what jobs to take and what jobs to stay away from um, well, in time. That took me a little while because it was more important to keep everybody working if I didn't have enough of the of the good jobs. I don't want us to skip over the, the conversation about 40% because you're right. Those are really great margins, right? And being able to walk away with 40% is, you know, really great for any business that has uh, the type of overhead that I would assume that you had, right? Because you mm-hmm. definitely have to maintain tools, equipment, um, insurance. Uh, then when we say equipment, that so much equipment, right? Because now you're talking yeah. safety equipment, all sorts of things. Um, that being said, I would, would like all my listeners to know if you are a business owner and you are walking away with more than 40% profits from your business, you're in a great position because there's so many people that I talk to who are starting a business that don't want to give up a single percent. They want to create a product and be able to walk away with the maximum amount of profit from that product. And you know, while that's great, You have to invest in your business in order to make money. And I think that's exactly what you've conveyed to us is that you made the investments, right? You invested the time and then you Mm -hmm. invested the money. Um, So it's nine years in, 10 years in, you you have your, your business and, you know, this is going along, right? What other challenges did you run into with the business as you started to grow? And probably the biggest thing I could think of was just knowing which jobs to avoid, you know, which ones I should go on after, which ones to stay away from. Like I said, those labor intensive jobs, by the time we get done with those darn things, I would end up working on them a lot just because I could see there's no profit if we don't get done soon and get on to something else. So some of those jobs I would just break even on. And that's depressing to go out there and, you know, and work your butt off for a couple of days and, and, and just break even where, you know, there, that's where it pays to be an employee because everyone got paid on those jobs, but me. And so learning the best jobs to take, what the best customers to work for, because some are, some are easy to work for and some are real nitpickers, you know, they want to drive you crazy with little things. So understanding the, the customer and the types of work that we should be doing, that, that was a huge thing for me. And um, that was the next big obstacle, I would say, was just knowing what jobs to take and what people to avoid working for. Okay. So right customer, right job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's pretty similar within, you know, the speaking industry, consulting or coaching, right. Is, uh, you know, sometimes we, we get on calls and we get strategy calls where somebody wants what should be $50,000 worth of work. Right. And they have a $400 a month budget. And it's like, okay, this isn't going to work out. Right. And you, you have to accept that there's a value that you expect that you really can't afford. And you either have to go get crafty or go get a loan. One of the two. Right. Um, and I, I think that's really what, you know, needs to be mentioned, what needs to be talked about. Right. Um, and this isn't me saying, Oh, well, I've closed $50,000 clients. If I close a $50,000 clients, you guys would be the first to know. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> You guys will be the first to know, right? Um, but even it doesn't matter how much money you get from those types of jobs, if it's too labor intensive, um, if you know the customer is too picky, 
some of those things, sometimes it's just not a personality match, right? We go back to what <laughs> I said earlier about the trauma. Um, I, I, I personally, there's groups of people that I really don't want to work with because it's not, it, it doesn't pay off, right? That's the best way to put to put it. It doesn't pay mm-hmm. off, right? Like I'm not the guy for them. And yeah. that's important. You got to know when to say you're not the guy for them, right? It's not a good fit. Yeah. Right. And right. in that sense, right, I think this is where you can make money with your competitors and stop making it such a dog eat dog market. Go find a competitor and say, hey, I would like a mutual referral agreement and jobs you don't want, you could send yeah. to me and jobs I don't want, I'll send to you. And yeah. we'll just split whatever uh, you, uh, with mutual referral agreements, we, normally you'll have like a 10 or 20% finder's fee or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that way, at least you're making money off of the unwanted contact that you had. Right. Right. And another thing I like about that is I hate to just tell customer, no, sorry, find someone else. It's better if you could say no, but I do know someone who can do this for you. Right. Let me put you in touch with them. So that that's another nice thing is try never to say, I I, I don't know. I I just, I've never been comfortable just looking at somebody who wanted to hire me for something and say, no, can't do it. But there is ways around it. If you can give them somebody who can do it. All right. So face. now we're eight, nine, 10 years in, right? Okay. So, well, for, further on down the line, right? So now we're talking, you had, you've had this business for 40 years, mm-hmm. right? So at what point did you transition into the speaker author arena and what inspired that transition? Okay. There wasn't that long ago, really. I just, um, I've almost gotten bored with my painting business. I've been doing it for so long and I wanted to do something else. And I realized I had something to share with the world, which was how I made this business from nothing into something and, um, and how other people could do the same. Cause I see other painters and other people in other industries and the trades that just don't understand it, don't get it. And I want to help other people out. So I thought, well, I'm going to write this book and, and help people. But the, the big the biggest, the final thing that I did, though, to, to really lock things down for me is figuring out the importance of keeping your customer pipeline full. I mean, in the summertime, I have, I, there's times when I get 40 houses booked ahead. And the nice thing about that is when you got 40 houses on your books that got to be done in the next couple of months, then all of a sudden, you can just look at the very best jobs and charge the the you can be the highest price guy. I, I tell my customers a lot of times, I'm probably not going to be your cheapest bid. Usually I'm your highest. And I don't always tell them that, but I do tell them the quality will be unlike anything else. We are the best. And, and once our reputation got that way, I, I found the sooner I could get that pipeline full, full of good jobs, not just jobs, but good paying jobs, then it, it's a total game changer for everything going forward because I'm not I don't have to worry about it if the customer doesn't hire me or not. There, there's mm. always somebody that's going to, and we're so far booked out, it doesn't hurt. So that that was the final piece for me was re- learning that the power of having a customer pipeline full wow. of jobs to do. You know, um, did that answer your question? I'm not sure if I sh- I went down the right road there. <laughs> no, no, I, I I like exactly where you went, and I okay. no, I totally got where you go. Um, my my oh, next but- question is actually and you may may go ahead and repeat something that you said uh Mm -hmm. i'm not sure but what do you think is the single most important thing uh in your business that helped you 
overcome all of those obstacles, whether it's a personal quality that you had, or if it's something that you just realized the single most important thing, it would not have been possible without this one thing. Boy, I'll tell you, I, there, there are a couple things, but the first thing that pops into my head is um, we talked about authenticity a little bit before this call. And this kind of goes along with it was um, uh, um, clarity with your transparency with the customer. I found that builds trust more than anything. Um, when I first started, I mean, I drove an old pickup truck. It was all I had, little pipes for the ladder racks with used ladders, four may pop tires. Those are tires that may pop at any time <laughs> and I oil. And it would be a truck that leaked oil and everything. And I used to just kind of park out at the end of the drive and hope they wouldn't notice. Well, finally, when I was starting to figure things out, I still didn't have nice equipment, nice vehicles. I would just, I would spin it in a way where I would tell the customer, I'd say, listen, this is this is who I am and I'm doing as much as I can, but if you'll trust me to paint your house, I will guarantee you a neat, clean job. I do have an old truck and used equipment, but because of that, I have small overhead and I'm probably, I can, I'm very affordable at that time. That's what I needed was work and being transparent, not trying to hide or cover up. Cause I was, when I was 18, I looked like I was 14 and people, I had one customer, I come to the door and he says, if I hire you, who are you going to, who's going to show up? You or your dad. I thought, oh man, that hurt. But that's what a lot of people were thinking of me at the time. So I stopped, I, be, I started developing a mindset of total transparency. I tell them, this is who I am. I, I'm not the most experienced guy, but I will work my butt off for you if you'll give me a chance. I wouldn't say, trust me. I'd just say, if you'll give me a chance, I promise. And then I would make big promises. I, so I, transparency. I, I love the fact that you said that. And I love the fact that you tied it to early on in your career. Um, and I, I, I'll tell people exactly why I love all of that. Um, this is going on about 10 years that I've had the desire and the passion and been working to be a speaker, a coach and all of those things. Right. Um, I would say more so a speaker, right. And I, I say empowerment speaker, because my goal is to make sure that everybody leaves with exactly the tools, right. You should know what to do next. Um, that being said, it, it took me 10 years because of something that you mentioned, right? When you're young and you step in front of people, they go, I have questions. I don't think you can do it because what I understand about young people is there's all of these people going out and having fun and doing the thing. And here you are standing in front of me trying to tell me that I should take you serious. So I was 21 and uh, 21, 22, and there was, so many times that I heard, uh, well, you can't be a speaker until you're like 40. I'm like, who the fuck wants to wait till I'm 40? <laughs> right? I'm full of fire now, full of piss and vinegar now. Yep. Right? Oh my god. Um, so what what I decided was like, okay, I'm gonna stow the speaker, I'm gonna develop the skills, I'm gonna make sure I have my communication there, but I'm gonna prove my philosophy within my life. And that's how we got to some of the, the things that we talked about where, um, you know, as a young man, I'm making $200,000 a year and I'm work for this fortune 500 company and that fortune 500 company. So now that I've proven that my philosophy is correct and go ahead and put me on those stages because I've earned that position. Right. Um, the, the, the point that I'm making is 
when you're young, people are going to look at you like you can't do it. Don't, don't focus on that. Do what you have to do to earn the stage. Mm -hmm. That that's really what I had for them. Earn the stage. Uh, so that being said, we have the, my favorite segment of our entire show, right? We do it every show, every episode. Uh, we call it story for a story, right? So if you have a crazy wild story for me, there could be a lesson to it. There could be no lesson to it, okay. but I'm going to match your story. We're going to trade stories back and forth, right? You go ahead. For me? Yeah, yeah. You start oh. off. You're first. Oh, my goodness. Um, a story, I mean, about my business, are you talking about? or uh, Any your... sort of crazy story. What's the uh, wildest job that you ever walked on? Wow. Oh, my gosh. Uh, crazy. I know you got some crazy. I know you done seen some crazy crap in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what would, boy, you really caught me by surprise with that one. Uh, the craziest thing. The, don't worry. You were not the only guest that has said I've caught them by surprise with the story for a story, but I've gotten some story really story. great stories. I, I had, okay. This is, is, and one of those ones I didn't tell at first because I was embarrassed, but I was painting inside for a customer. And this was in those early years. I, my wife, we were only married, not even a year. And the guy says, oh, I want you to get a couple of rooms done for me before my wife comes home. I was at the gentleman's house and he was there by himself. And when it was all done, I collected my money, which was ridiculous. I mean, hundred, hundred and some dollars, you know, for a couple of days of work. It was that, oh, this was, you know, I know this is back in the, in the eighties, early eighties, but even then it was too terrible. And he says to me, or I looked at him and I thought, you got anything else you want, want me to do? I mean, can I do any more painting? Cause she wasn't due home yet for like till that evening. And it was, I was done at like noon on that last day. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, I'll, I'll pay you 20 bucks to vacuum my carpets. <laughs> and you know, the sad thing about that, <laughs> looking back, I used to be embarrassed to tell this one too. You know, I took it. I did. I was vacuuming the guy's carpet for an extra 20 bucks. So that's a story that I think about as, uh, being one of those, I probably shouldn't tell, but I no, use that as you leverage. Tell you know? that story. Oh my God. <laughs> you should tell that story because based off of where you are now, it shows that you were willing to do anything, right? You were willing to True. do tough things and you were willing to put your ego to the side so that you can have what you have and that you believed in your mission. That's an amazing story. You should tell that story <laughs> on stages. Oh right? my That's gosh. Right. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, you're right. right. Okay, so what's you, what do you got? <laughs> okay, all right. Um, let's see what do we got. Actually, I was thinking, I'll, I'll give you an embarrassing story. I'll give you a real embarrassing story, right? <laughs> Truly embarrassing story, right? So this is uh, 2010, um, in the Marine Corps, right? And anybody who's been in the military knows that you get a very small room, right? So now within my small room, I got two roommates and what is the equivalent of a studio apartment so my roommates were out and i have the proclivity to want to be naked and nobody was home <laughs> so i'm naked playing music chilling talking on the phone with my girlfriend right just free balling and dick swinging right for lack of a better term <laughs> right I don't hear the door 
I don't hear anything, but where, where my, uh, my bed was and where I was, um, where I was standing and talking, you, the door is, let's say over here, you come in, there's the wall. And then my bed and my entire area is bent behind the wall. Right. Okay. So they walk in and I'm just naked. I'm, I just, I noticed them because I'm leaning over to turn up the speaker and I just look up and I go, uh, I'm, I'm naked. And they just look at me and bust out. <laughs> so that, that was the embarrassing story. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tag those guys in, uh, in this episode when we get it released and see if they remember. Oh that. my gosh. Yeah. Did they have, did, hopefully they didn't have their phone on. They're ready to take pictures. No, no pictures, no, no. pictures. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but I was definitely, that was definitely one of the more embarrassing things. Uh, oh they they did walk out. That's funny. They're like, we'll give you some time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh my. And is there anything that you would like to leave our guests with? Um, the biggest, one of the biggest lessons I learned, and it took me a long time to figure this out was you can't do it alone. You need help from other people. You know, I just, I, and that was one of my big problems. I always thought I could figure it out. And it wasn't until I aligned myself with, um, the a remodeling, the national association of the remodeling industry and talking to other people about what they were doing to stand out. It, it wasn't until I started, aligning myself with successful painters and learning what they were doing and what organizations I should be belonging to, that things started to turn around for me. Um, thinking you could do it by yourself is just, it's wrong. And if I would have, if I would have known that 40 years ago, I think I'd be in a whole different place today because it took me a long time to, to really get ahead of the eight ball and, and to start to leverage everything. But it all came down to understanding that you need people. You need a, you need a team. You need to reach out and ask for help sometimes. And that would be my biggest thing I'd like to leave with, with people is, is don't try to do it on your own. You know, get help. You know, reach, reach out to other people. Don't be afraid to because people are great. They'll help you if you ask for help. Man, that's beautiful. And for those of you listening, go be great. Awesome.